Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. Thanks for joining us on Wall Builders. We're taking on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. But before we take on a hot topic of the day, we're going back to our heroes of history. We've been talking about them all month, and we'll continue throughout February. By the way, I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, and Tim Barton and David Barton are going to share about one of our heroes of history. Tim, who are we talking about today? This one is Sergeant William Carney. And he was a Medal of Honor recipient. Now, we talked last week about another Medal of Honor recipient. We talked about how in the course of American history, there's been approximately 57 million Americans involved in the U.S. military. Uh, Among those, only about 3,500 have ever been recipients of the Medal of Honor. And, And so you're talking about just a tiny percentage of people who have ever been awarded something that is this significant, this prestigious, and it really is recognizing people that did something incredibly courageous and and heroic that sets them in a separate category. And Sergeant William Carney, uh, he was born in 1840. He was born actually in slavery in Virginia. His father was able to escape on the Underground Railroad, then raise money and was able to purchase and bring the whole family out of slavery. So William Carney is free, begins actually studying to become a Christian minister. The Civil War breaks out, so it changes everybody's plans. Life is different. When the Emancipation Proclamation comes out in 1863, there have been a lot of of abolitionists, a lot of black leaders telling Abraham Lincoln, you need to allow black soldiers or, or black individuals to join and be part of the military, to be soldiers. And William Carney is one of those first guys that signs up. He's actually part of Morgan's Guards, which later became Company C in the Massachusetts 54th Regiment, uh, which was... Not coincidentally, the movie featured in the old 1989 film, the movie Glory, which won uh, several Academy Awards. Well, William Carney's in the Mass 54th. And as the course of the war goes on, it's it's worth noting that at that time, too, another individual who very significant connected with the Mass 54th was Colonel Robert Shaw. He was the white officer who was leading the, the black troops of the Mass 54th. And the reason he was chosen and, and chosen a little relative, but he had had military experience and they, as you're bringing in people who've never been soldiers, who have never seen combat, largely speaking, they wanted to have officers who were relatively familiar with combat, knew something about it so they can offer insight. Guys, when the battle happens, right, bullets and muzzle flashes and whatever else, give some perspective and insight to help lead the troops. Well, at that point, to have a white officer over black troops the white officers actually were volunteers. They volunteered for that. And why would Colonel Robert Shaw volunteer for that? Well, his father was an abolition leader, was a leader in the abolition movement, trying to end slavery, trying to abolish slavery in the United States. And so he's grown up. Robert Shaw grew up in this. And so for him, it was probably pretty natural to say, look, we believe in equality. We're going to do this. Uh, Historically, we know the Mass 54th was trained so well the Mass 54th ended up in South Carolina, and, and they were part of the Battle of Fort Wagner, which was at the harbor of Charleston. And as this unfolds, there were 600 men from the Mass 54th. Uh, there was a very narrow stretch of land approaching the fort. It was 60 yards wide, about a half mile long. And before they approached the fort, Union ships came up, and for eight hours, they bombarded the fort, trying to soften the defenses. Finally, the Mass 54th is given orders. They're going to charge, and you can imagine, right, fixing bayonets. They're going to go this half-mile charge. Well, 
The problem was, even though for eight hours, the Union Navy had been pounding the fort with bombardments, the Confederates had gone under these bunkers, essentially, these bomb bunkers to protect themselves. And so they were not at all impacted by the bombardment. When the Union force attacks, they come out of bombardment and they open fire and they just start leveling people, wiping people out. The guy who'd been carrying the flag for the Mass 54th was John Wall. When John Wall was shot in this barrage, he's going to the ground. William Carney comes over. He rescues the flag and, and he's going to be the guy holding the flag. He ends up getting shot in the leg. Finally, they realize this is a bad situation. They call the retreat. On the retreat, they have to go through the water. As they're going through the water, Sergeant Carney gets shot again in the chest. On his way out, he gets shot again in the leg. On the retreat, he gets shot again in the head. He got shot four times. He finally was able to get back to a place where they were safe. And at this point, people are coming over. They're trying to help him. In fact, at one point, a a white soldier from New York came over and said, hey, let me help carry the flag. Sergeant Carney said, no one but a member of my regiment, the 54th, should carry the colors or carry the flags. When he finally makes it back, he sits down, about to pass out from exhaustion. He whispers, boys, I did my duty. The flag never touched the ground. And, and this was something noted, right? Significant part of a contribution from a black American. And, and it was 30-something years later that Teddy Roosevelt finally was a Republican president who looked back and said, there's a lot of very courageous, heroic individuals that were part of the Civil War that did not get the full recognition they should have gotten. So he then, at that point, awarded him the Medal of Honor for what he had done, his bravery on the battlefield. And it's worth noting the reason that Teddy Roosevelt was able to identify him is because this was a known story. Some of these people, what they had contributed, this was known. It was documented. So Teddy Roosevelt just gives him the recognition that they really should have deserved decades earlier, arguably. But the reason, guys, I even think this is significant is because part of the conversation I know we're going to have today with Stanley Kurtz is dealing with some of the rewriting of black history. And when you have this new move, whether it be from the 1619 Project, we, we know there's a Hulu series out. You can look at Disney Plus with some of the new programming they're doing that just is total critical race theory. They are they are telling a very different narrative of American history, and they're literally leaving out nearly every single black hero of American history. When if we were just honest with American history and we said, look, there were some really bad parts, there were some dark parts, but there were some really incredibly brave, heroic, right, courageous, noteworthy people that should be celebrated. It would be a very different narrative than what we hear today. And that's just not what's happening by and large. But fortunately, there is some good news on some of these fronts, which is why we thought we should talk to Stanley Kurtz about something happening right now in Florida. Yeah, Stanley's a, a great guy on this because he, he heads up this National Association of Scholars, and they are all over the things that are being taught in, in textbooks and colleges, what's happening on colleges. Um, they're really, really good at this. And what, what they found, and they got an early copy of what the AP, the college board, the college board does SAT tests, but the AP courses, all these advanced placement courses, I think there's 47, 48, 49 of them, they all come from the same entity, the college board. And they came out with this brand new course for black history. It's an advanced college course, which means you get college credit for this course while you're in high school, which means this is a college course. And they saw what was in it, and it was so absolutely woke, so bad on history that DeSantis got involved in this in Florida. DeSantis put his foot down and said, no, you're not teaching this in this state. That's not a course we're going to allow in this state. You're not going to teach it at universities either. And so Stanley's been all over this, and it is really, really good to see 
What has happened since DeSantis has taken that stand is shifting the entire nation, and Stanley had an inside seat to everything that was going on with this. Stanley Kurtz, our special guest today. Stay with us. You're listening to Wobble. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. As the American War for Independence began, the president of Yale was the Reverend Naftali Daggett. When New Haven, the home of Yale, came under attack, about 100 citizens rushed out to meet the British. The Reverend Daggett galloped by them on horseback, his clerical robes flowing behind him in the wind, and he took up a solitary position atop a hill. The 2,500 British soon put the townsfolk to flight, but the Reverend Daggett continued to stand alone, firing down on the advancing troops. A British officer confronted him. What are you doing there, you old fool? If I let you go, will you ever fire again on the troops of his majesty? Nothing more likely was the preacher's reply. America's early pastors personally confronted danger and courageously led their communities. For more information on Pastor Daggett and other colonial patriots, go to wallbuilders.com. Welcome back to the Wobbler Show. Thanks for staying with us. Always good to have Stanley Kurtz with us, Senior Fellow at Ethics and Public Policy Center. And uh, once again, covering education on so many different levels. Stanley, thanks for coming to speaking at our Legislators Conference, for coming on the program often. Just appreciate all that you do, man. Appreciate the time today. Well, Rick, thanks so much for having me. Well, you've got uh, you've got this Florida battle going on, and it uh, looks like DeSantis again uh, just gaining ground, not just defending ground, gaining ground. And this time it's over, you know, what they're calling African-American studies. Uh, what happened and, and how did he, you know, put a stop to this so quickly, apparently? Well, Rick, you're right. This is this is a win, uh, I think, for DeSantis. Um, and the way it happened was that the college board uh, is uh, which is the group that controls the SAT test and the advanced placement tests. Uh, which we call AP test for short, the college board decided to create an AP version of African-American studies. Now, this is a very important move because one of the things that has really um, corrupted our colleges and universities intellectually is the rise of these so-called studies programs. That would be African-American studies, uh, Latino studies, women's studies, gender studies, environmental studies, a whole bunch of other studies programs. And these programs tend to be uh, political activism programs rather than objective academic disciplines. So for the first time, the College Board created a course based on African-American studies. And sure enough, the last quarter of that course was filled with political activism. Uh, It pushed students to back the uh, political program of what's called the Movement for Black Studies, which is sort of a political arm of Black Lives Matter. It pushed the students to back um, reparations and a whole lot of other literally Marxist um, political readings that were completely unbalanced, not just by conservative points of view, but even by traditional liberal points of view. These writers in the fourth quarter are so far to the left that they don't like Barack Obama because wow. in their eyes he's he's discredited by the fact that he works within the system that they would like to overthrow and destroy. 
So we've got this very extreme uh, final quarter of this uh, proposed course. College Board asked the DeSantis administration to approve it. Uh, 99% of the time, uh, every state rubber stamps any course that the College Board puts in front of them. But uh, Governor DeSantis said, no, uh, this violates our CRT bill. And more than that, it violates uh, what we think is legitimate education in the state of Florida. And lo and behold, the College Board, knowing uh, that uh, it it has a monopoly and needs to get states to go along, particularly red states, and particularly now in the era when many red states have these CRT laws, the College Board knuckled under and made quite a few very significant changes to this course. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's unusual. Well, well, first thing was unusual as you were describing that. I mean, not too long ago, you and I would have had a conversation on this and lamented the fact that very few elected officials, certainly governors of large states like this, um, would would even question, like you said, or, or certainly stand up uh, to anything that comes from uh, the College Board or, or any of these entrenched entities that have controlled education for so long. And, and it just seems like that game is changing. It's, I mean, it's, DeSantis has certainly led the way on it. But I, I'm just thrilled that, you know, you've got someone at that level and at that profile willing to take on a fight like this, whereas in the past it was just, like you said, rubber stamp. That's right, Rick. Exactly right. It's thrilling, really. It's thrilling to see. Now we had a big dispute over the APUS history framework that the College Board put out in 2014. Uh, they did backtrack on that, but it was mostly cosmetic, and no state at any point ever actually turned down the framework. I have never seen anything like what DeSantis is doing, and he's doing it on the level of higher education as well. Usually, um, boards of trustees, uh, boards of regents, boards of governors, they have different names in different states, but the, the bodies that run our public colleges and universities also rubber stamp the leftism of these colleges and universities and oftentimes that's because the people appointed are, frankly, the biggest donor of the um, of the governor in question. And that's fine. Um, they have good instincts, but the truth is they, they don't have a lot of expertise on higher ed, and they don't want to get into quarrels with the administration. DeSantis has completely shifted all that, and he's appointed conservative education experts, some of them from out of state, to be on the boards of trustees of these um, Florida colleges, and they're they're in the process of revolutionizing those schools. So, and that doesn't even begin to get at all the things DeSantis has done. And the real question I have is why haven't Republican governors and state legislators done all of this uh, decades ago? Uh, you know, I, I agree completely. That, that's like one of the great frustrations that we've said for a while: defund the left by defunding these programs and these universities if they're going to continue to indoctrinate our kids with this anti-American uh, stuff that they've been doing for, for so long. I mean, this poison is, is clearly, you know, taking root in the, in the culture. It's clearly having a, a, a negative impact. And I exactly what you just said. Where in the world have, have the conservatives been? Where have the Republican Party been? You know, where, where have these governors been that, that say they're against this stuff? Very few actually stand like what, what we're seeing here. Do you think this will, you know, courage is contagious? Will this cause other governors to, to join this fight and, and where he's not having to take on the college board alone? And, and two-part question, will other governors join? And two, 
does this victory apply to other states? Is it just Florida colleges or this changes their whole process so that everyone in the country benefits from this positive change? I'll take the second part first. Yes, this victory affects other states because the changes the College Board has made to its framework uh, will will be adopted nationally. The College Board, unfortunately, is a national entity that's able to make a kind of end run around state curriculum control. But the good the good news uh, and the good side of that is that when you make a positive change, it affects the whole country. Um, but to go to the the deeper question you ask, the first part of your question, on the one hand, I do think uh, this courage will be contagious. I do think other states will start to jump in. And DeSantis is definitely laying down a model. Uh, what he's doing can be copied and can be studied. And so my hat's off to him. But I would say at the same time that there is still a big problem in many of the red states, particularly with governors, but not only with governors. You take the CRT bills, which uh, helped to kick off all of this. CRT bills have passed in quite a few red states, but by no means all of them. They failed in a number of red states, and so did other important education reform legislation. Uh, We lost uh, a good uh, K-12 CRT bill in South Dakota. It did not pass the South Dakota State Legislature We lost an excellent education reform K-12 bill in Indiana, supposedly a red state. Uh, And a lot of these red states um, have a group of establishment-type Republicans in the legislature mixed in with the more culturally conservatives, and um, sometimes the weak-kneed moderates uh, give way. And this is even more of a problem with governors in some of the red states in Indiana the nominally Republican governor was nowhere to be seen during this school battle, and the teachers' unions remain a very powerful force, even in red states. So while I think the news overall is very positive, simply because we were losing completely and doing absolutely nothing in the past, it is still a pitched battle, and there's no guarantee that all the red states will magically get fixed just because DeSantis is doing the right thing in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got a we got a lot of work ahead and, and, and these fights uh, in, in so many, uh, so many states. And and, you know, ho- hopefully, hopefully, like you said, he's, he's basically laid out, laid down the marker and and shown how it can be done. Uh, and, and another thing to, to, to point out real quick, you, you made the point that this is not just elementary education anymore. This is you know, we're, we're talking at the university level. He's willing to take this on. That has felt like a a, a fight you just couldn't couldn't even deal with because it's such a lopsided situation uh, with the colleges and universities across the country, but he's saying, no, we're going to keep chipping away at this. And, um, you know, it's, it's good to see it at all levels, but, uh, you know, the college part, man, I mean, I just, uh, it does feel like it's so big and there's so few universities that aren't, you know, part of the leftist philosophy at this point. What's your take on that overall education piece, not just, you know, where we're seeing school board uh, victories, but universities, are they listening to the, to the movement at this point and this massive you know, uh, response of the American people to say we're done with all the woke stuff? Or, or is it like there's a shield up around these universities where they're not hearing that yet? It's a great question, Rick. Um, the answer is they're listening with horror. They don't want to <laughs> go along. But DeSantis yeah. has figured out a way 
to get past the shield. We'll have to see if it fully works, but he's doing more uh, than what I indicated before. Already, in what I indicated, he's changing the boards of trustees, which have ultimate control of the university and putting people on them who are willing to take action. And the truth is, while boards generally rubber stamp what universities do, they can control. But DeSantis is going beyond that in a very important way. The greatest power in universities is held by the president. Now, the board of trustees can change the president. But in the past, they have not appointed good presidents. And what is happening in Florida is boards of trustees are starting to um, put in presidents who were, say, uh, allies of Governor DeSantis when they were in the legislature, the new head of what's called New College of Florida, the small school that DeSantis is trying to turn around and transform, is going to be the former Speaker of the House of the Florida legislature. And it's likely that the general counsel of that university will be the former um, president of the Senate. And so if you can appoint uh, real conservatives who understand how state government and levers of power work to uh, the presidency of these universities, also, at the same time, DeSantis is proposing legislation which would increase the power over faculty appointments of university presidents. This could be a revolutionary formula that will allow for real change. Uh, It's dramatic, and I don't think people have fully appreciated the ambition of what DeSantis is trying here. Ah, So good. So good. Uh, Really, really appreciate it, Stanley. Thank you for staying on top of this, for uh, keeping us educated and informed here at Wall Builders and and our audience as well. Appreciate you, brother, and look forward to having you back soon. Great talking, Rick. Thanks for having me. You bet. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back with David and Tim Barton. Hey, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation, about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity. If you're interested in having a Wall Builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website at www.wallbuilders.com and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers' bios to events that are already going on. And there's a section where you can request an event to bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms. Go to the Wall Builders website and bring a speaker to your area. We're back on Wobblers. Thanks for staying with us. Thanks to Stanley Kurtz for joining us as well. Uh, guys, I, I have a hard time not getting excited about what Ron DeSantis does in Florida. I mean, I, I want it to spill over. You know, that's why I asked Stanley what I did. I wanted to start influencing other governors to do the same thing, but uh, hopefully we'll get there. But man, I mean, he just uh, he keeps taking on these fights. I think we're, we're seeing now the legislature in Florida, you know, saying they're going to take away Disney's special status. I mean, these wins just keep stacking up in, in Florida, but such an important subject for DeSantis to lead on. It is. And one of the things that we're seeing in Florida is that his courage is contagious. 
Uh, it's one of the things that, guys, we lament how sad it is in, in Texas where you know, you would think Texas is a really free state. We don't have the same level of courageous leadership as a DeSantis. And, and actually, I mean, in fairness, if we look at somewhere like even what we think probably Sarah Huckabee Sanders is going to be in Arkansas, we can start pointing to some of these governors. So you're, you're, you're saying that the Texas Speaker of the House who just gave the Education Committee to the Democrats, even though the Republicans have the House, you're saying that that's a problem? When yeah. Texas gives the education committee to Democrats? Yeah, about that. About that. We we have a lack of leadership in Texas in a lot of respects, both in uh, our, our Republican Party and our uh, Republican elected officials and so many fronts. And, and guys, we're saying this like we work with a lot of them. There, there are some good individuals involved, but it's it's just a mess right now. So it is so encouraging when you see a leader like DeSantis and you see the difference a leader can make. One of our friends, Bob McEwen who we are with often throughout the year, who we have on the program throughout the year, he will often point out the difference a good leader can make in directing ultimately the outcome of nearly every problem, every situation you deal with when you have a leader who gets involved. And, and again, where leadership is contagious. And so you have a state legislature, you, you have other individuals in the state that are saying, wait a second, no, 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 we're not going to do this. And and even as Stanley pointed out, when, when you have the governor who's putting people on these different boards over universities, and normally they're not really involved, but now people are getting in there and, and they're actually paying attention. They, they are making a difference in what's happening at some of these universities. This is what absolutely governors can be doing in their states if they're willing to. But the good news is when you're seeing in the AP as they're promoting some of this wokeism, right, some of this new speak, like this 1984 thought that we're going to change the definition of words, we're going to we're going to rewrite history. We are seeing that if if you have a leader who will push back, it can change ultimately the reality of what they are trying to write of what education is trying to do. Yeah, this is a this is a front that many politicians are not willing to take on, right? Because it wasn't very popular to take on this this narrative. So to see him doing this and it, it's kind of starting to break the dam a little bit because now the grassroots is demanding it. We're seeing it at the school board level. I mean, I love seeing all the all the parents standing up and saying they don't want this, especially when you see black parents stand up and say, "We don't want this. This is absolutely wrong. It shouldn't be done." So many viral videos out there. It's just exciting to see that the American people are recognizing the dangers of this and that we do have a governor that recognizes it and uh, is standing up. We just need to push for more governors and legislatures to do the same. All right, folks, we're out of time for today. You can check out our website at wallbuilders.com, and you can get a lot of great information there. In fact, if you want to learn the truth about these stories, if you want to learn those heroes of history that Tim was talking about at the beginning of the program and that we're going to do throughout February, all of that information available at wallbuilders.com. Check it out today. Thanks so much for listening to Wall Builders. We stand undivided.